Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now, let's dig in. Well, hello there. How are you doing today? I hope you are all well. The Lataw County prosecuting attorney, Bill Thompson, who is responsible for the case against suspect Brian Koberger, has called in two special assistant prosecutors from the Idaho Attorney General's office to help him secure a conviction. Koberger's preliminary hearing, which is scheduled to begin on June 26th, and last several days is fast approaching, and apparently there's tons of evidence for everyone to sift through and analyze. If convicted, Koberger could face the death penalty. Thus, Thompson is expected to be extra careful throughout the proceedings in order to avoid possible grounds for appeal. The stakes in this case are simply too high to take any chances. Jeff Nye, chief of the state's criminal law division, who has handled murder cases in the past, and Ingrid Beatty, the state's lead deputy attorney general for special prosecutions, will assist Thomas's office with Koberger's prosecution. According to Fox News, Thompson asked the court for Nye's and Beatty's expertise, as well as the additional resources their office can provide, and the request was granted the same day. Interesting side note, according to her LinkedIn in Ingrid Beatty once attended the University of Idaho, where victims Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Cronotto, Maddie Mogan, and Ethan Chapin were students. And attorney Jeff Nye has been an adjunct professor at the University of Idaho since 2021. During the preliminary hearing, which is normally a public event with public records, Koberger is expected to plead either not guilty or guilty. Of course, we've heard that he's excited about exonerating himself, so I'm pretty sure he's going to say he's not guilty. According to criminal defense attorney Jessica Bublitz, who appeared on News Nation last night, that preliminary hearing could end up canceled, and that's because a grand jury will likely secretly convene sometime in May. And if that grand jury finds probable cause, then the preliminary hearing in June will be canceled. Just FYI, the purpose of a preliminary hearing on a felony case is to determine whether or not a crime was committed and whether the defendant may have been involved in that crime. During a preliminary hearing, the heat is on the prosecution because they bear the burden of showing probable cause that the defendant committed the crime. Basically, the prosecution needs to prove that it has sufficient evidence 
to take the case to trial. And although a preliminary hearing is not a trial, it can sometimes feel like a mini one. And that's because there is live witness testimony and the attorneys cross-examine the witnesses to test their credibility. The defense is also able to present their witnesses, perhaps to establish an alibi or other defense. After the court listens to all the testimony and sees all the evidence presented, it must decide if there's probable cause to believe the crime was committed and that the defendant, in this case Brian Koberger, is the person who did it. In a sense, a preliminary hearing is a method for the court to screen out cases that cannot later be proven at trial. In simple cases, a preliminary hearing can last as little as 10 minutes. In more complex cases, like the one out of Moscow, Idaho, the hearing can stretch on for several days. But let's say that the grand jury meets in May, as attorney Jessica Bublitz has said it might. How will that work? Grand juries differ from preliminary hearings in that, one, they're held in strict secrecy, and it's a crime for anyone present to speak about what goes on during the grand jury. Two, neither the defendant nor his or her attorneys is present during the grand jury. Three, the grand jury is made up of 16 jurors who are selected to serve on a panel. They deliberate in secret a minimum of nine members must agree that probable cause exists to believe a crime has been committed and that the defendant committed it. If the grand jury finds probable cause exists, it instructs the prosecutor to prepare an indictment listing the charges it feels are appropriate. Four, Grand juries are one-sided affairs. Grand jurors will only hear and see what the prosecutors put before them, so the defense doesn't get a chance to cross-examine the witnesses or to present witnesses of its own. Note that while prosecutors technically have an obligation to present exculpatory evidence, which is evidence that suggests the defendant might not be guilty, there's not much other than the prosecutor's conscience to enforce that rule. If you know about the Suzanne Morphew case out of Salida, Colorado, you know what can happen if the prosecution deliberately fails to share exculpatory evidence during the grand jury or during a preliminary hearing. In that case, nine days before Suzanne's husband, Barry Morphew, was due to start his trial for her disappearance and death, all the charges were suddenly dropped and he was released. The judge presiding over the case had blocked the prosecution from using most of their expert witnesses at trial. And the judge did this as a punishment because the attorney general had violated the discovery rules by not sharing potentially exculpatory evidence to the defense ahead of Barry Morphew's trial. Apparently, the prosecution had repeatedly missed deadlines for sharing its evidence with the defense and had also misrepresented evidence during the grand jury. So Barry Morphew was able to walk out of jail at that point. Now, that doesn't mean he won't face those charges again. 
It sounds like the prosecution is hoping to get another stab at Morphew, and they're working hard on finding his wife, Suzanne's body. They believe that if they can find Suzanne, they will have the evidence they need to convict Barry for her death. Time will tell. Back to grand juries. In part because the defense doesn't get the opportunity to contest the prosecutor's evidence, grand juries almost always return an indictment. And an indictment is a formal written statement framed by the prosecution and authorized by the grand jury that charges a person with an offense. After an indictment is returned, an arraignment hearing is held at which the indictment is read to the defendant. It is at that point that the defendant will plead either guilty or not guilty. If he, Brian Koberger, pleads not guilty, a trial date will be set. So I'm guessing the grand jury will meet in May. They will likely vote to indict Brian Koberger. Thus, the preliminary hearing scheduled for June will likely be canceled, and then a trial date will be set. I hope you found this interesting and informative. One of the things I love about true crime is that we get to learn about our criminal justice system as we watch these cases move from hearings to trials to verdicts. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, consider a membership if you enjoy my videos, and I'll see you next time.